0: Hello and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to open your Bible this morning to 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2. In verse number one it says, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We're going to pray in, in a few minutes for President Donald Trump, he's still president uh, for the first part of this week. We're going to pray for him and and, uh, all who are in Congress and Supreme Courts and, you know, our local governments. We're also going to pray for President-elect Joe Biden. And uh, when he takes the oath of office on, uh, uh, what day is that? Wednesday. Uh, He will become president. And uh, we're going to pray for him. Amen. Just like we've always prayed. And we're going to pray just as uh, diligently as we prayed before for Donald Trump. Because this is right. It says this is good and acceptable in the sight of of God our Savior. And God hears and answers prayer. Amen. I want to turn your attention also to uh, to James, the fifth chapter. These are not verses that you don't know, but it's always best to look at the scriptures. James chapter 5, verse 16. The latter part of this verse says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And very often we quote from the Amplified Bible. And then it says it makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. We have uh, uh, been through a very difficult time as a nation. And uh, we prayed very fervently. The scripture says that prayers, the effective, effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Dynamic power. Dynamic in its working. Spirit-empowered prayer is never wasted or unanswered. Never. The church, this is what got my attention on the screen while it goes, I had this in my notes. The church has not been defeated because God has not been defeated. Amen. And we're, we're on the right team when we're, we're in Christ. And so we cannot, like I've said so many times before, we cannot help but win. We cannot, we cannot help but be victorious if we'll just live by faith and act on the word of God. Amen. Now, like I said, we prayed fervently uh, for the outcome of the election and then for the results and the things that happened afterwards. As you know, Uh, January 6th was on a Wednesday. I was here Wednesday night. I had to leave town the next morning. So I really regretted I was not here last week. Pastor Greg did an excellent job and I'm always very much at at peace whenever I leave and because I know he's capable and he does a great job. But I really wanted to talk to you about the things that have happened. And, you know, we pushed really hard in prayer. And uh, if if you will remember... I never one time predicted the outcome of the uh, of, of President Trump's uh, attempt to have uh, the election results looked at again. I never predicted that he would win that that battle. I had a sense that he wouldn't prevail. I had a sense. Now, if there's a lot of you out there, I'm thinking, if you're honest, you probably had the same witness in your spirit that he would not prevail. You say, well, pastor, why in the world did you push us so hard to pray? Well, let me tell you a couple of stories. Uh, Brother Hagen talked about the fact that uh, many, many years ago when his wife was younger, they had small children and she had a goiter. Now, that's an old term, kind of an old fashioned term. People don't use that a lot for you younger people. She had a, uh, uh, an enlarged thyroid gland and affected her throat. And for some reason, she had the sense, she needed to have surgery, but she was afraid to have surgery. She had a sense in her heart that if she had surgery, she was going to die. And Brother Hagen said that when he prayed about it, he had the same thing in his heart. He had the sense, he perceived in his spirit that if she had surgery, she would die. And so this progressed for, for several months. The goiter got larger and larger Or she couldn't swallow. She, couldn't, uh, she would wake up in the middle of the night in distress and, and it, w- it became a very serious thing. And like I said, this whole time he was praying about this and he had the sense that she was gonna die. Uh, if she had the surgery. And after uh, a period of time of praying like this, the Lord uh, spoke to him and told him, he said, tell your wife to go ahead and have this surgery. She won't die. Then the Lord said this to him, said, she was going to die. And 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 I don't know, I can't, I'm not gonna try to explain this. I'm just gonna tell you the words that Brother Hagin said, Jesus said. He said, she was destined to die. He said, but because you've prayed, he said, I'm healing her simply because you asked me to. But she was going to die. Now, what if Brother Hagin had stopped praying before Jesus told him that? Amen? I, uh, another story in Brother Hagin's life is when his son-in-law... Uh, Bob uh, Buddy Harrison passed away. Buddy Harrison was the founder of of Harrison House and uh, was a minister and and he came down with throat cancer and he was diagnosed with it. He had surgery, you know, on his throat and and uh, uh, he recovered from that. You know, uh, he had some some complications because, because of it, but they found out if, uh, pretty quickly that it had already spread. So he had basically a death sentence. And he was dying. And I remember going to those Holy Ghost meetings uh, during those years that Pastor Angela and I went to those Holy Ghost meetings. A lot of times Buddy Harrison would be there and he had lost a lot of weight. You know, he had, he looked like somebody that was dying. And uh, Brother Hagin was praying for him and he did eventually die. And afterwards, Brother Hagin, Taught, told us about this. He said, you know, he said, during this whole battle, he said, I continue. Now, Brother Hagen had to have had the same witness in his heart that, that his son-in-law was gonna die. But he said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. He, In his words, he said, I did my best to change it. Uh, he said, and he said this, he said, because I don't like to give up. Said I don't like to lose, and when I have to, and when I go after something in prayer, I expect to win. But of course, when you're dealing with somebody else, there's always that that uh, uh, possibility that their faith is not where you your faith is, or there's something else you don't know. And I know early on in this, I think it was Diane McKenzie back in the back uh, asked me one day, one morning, "Well, Pastor, uh, because I'd said, you know, we can't just claim certain things like we can our covenant, right?" She said, "Why can't we just? Why can't we just?" Believe God that this is going to happen this way. And I said, well, because we don't have a covenant promise for this. Are you out there? And so we, the prayer, of, and that's the whole purpose for the prayer of supplication and intercession is praying for things that are beyond your own covenant rights for yourself when you're praying for other people. When you do that, you make tremendous power available. Uh, like the Amplified says, dynamic miracle working power. And so we did that. And you say, well, pastor, why did you, if you, if you didn't sense we were going to win this, why did you push her? Because I don't give up. And I knew that it was important for us as a church and, and for the body of Christ to be sure we did everything we could do. And we prayed in the spirit. Of course, we had our opinions and some people didn't, don't, you know, don't like your opinion or my opinion, but that, that's beside the point. We prayed in the spirit fervently because we, I knew that we needed to have the confidence that we did everything to win, everything to pray this thing through. I'm not talking about win the election. I'm talking about winning in prayer, Amen. And, uh, and so because of that, I have no regrets. And, you know, if you feel like you were let down by me, you know, I I apologize. Uh, You know, and and I'm not perfect by any means. I can miss it just as much as the next man can. Uh, And so perhaps I pushed too hard, but that's why I pushed anyway. Because I wanted us to, you know, you can't, you can't inspire your congregation to be fervent in supplication by telling them, well, you know, keep it in your mind. You're not going to win. You know, it's not going to happen. You know, that's, that's not what, the way you inspire faith. I'm not talking about the prayer of faith. I'm talking about faith in the prayer of supplication. Amen. And so uh, we pushed and it is what it is. But let us remember, like I said, spirit-empowered prayer is never wasted and it never goes unanswered. I said it never goes unanswered because God is still working. Sometimes it takes longer to push some things through in prayer. I remember Dad Hagen telling us about, and I don't remember the, the justice's name, it was a Supreme Court justice. And I think it was, it was the chief justice at the time. I'm not, I don't remember who it was. But he said he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And he said, I prayed that person out of office. You know, they don't, they don't just leave, you know. But he said, I don't know if this person retired early. I don't remember because I don't remember who it was. But he said, I prayed that person out of office. Well, that takes time to do. And so uh, just remember that, that God is not unjust. He heard our prayers. The Bible says that the prayers of the saints go up before him like, like an like a, uh, incense in heaven. God never forgets. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Amen. We all love this nation. And we want God's best for this nation. And so we're not going to grow weary in doing good. What's good? Well, he said right here in, in 1 Timothy, it's this is good and well-pleasing to God that we pray for those in authority. Like I said, in due season, often that season is longer than we thought it would be. But God will bring his plan and his will to pass his way if we don't grow weary in doing good. Amen? Glory to God. God, God is good, isn't he? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to to be in your presence again lord you called us today to assemble father in your presence the lord jesus has called us as well oh glory to god and so we thank you lord for the for the privilege of being in your presence but also with one another for we love one another. We're one body. We may have different opinions on things, but we're one body called together for this purpose, Father. And so we today, Lord, we lift up our voice. We pray for President Donald Trump. We pray, Father, for His your hand upon him, that you will help him and bless him. Those are in his administration, Father. We pray for uh, Congress, the House and the Senate, all of those, Father, who serve there. We pray for the Supreme Court, all of those justices. Father, that your hand would be upon them, that they would say and do the right things, Father. Help them, glory to God. Father, we pray for uh, President-elect Joe Biden and his administration. Father, we ask you to help him, bless him, give him wisdom in uh, appointing the right people to to make up his administration. Father, we pray for uh, his ability to govern, as the President of the United States, Father, that grace will be upon him, great grace will be upon him. And Father, we know from looking at the Scripture that there are evil forces that work in the heavenly realm, that try to dominate nations. It happened in the Old Testament. It happens today. And so we take our uh, stand again. We reaffirm our stand. And we rebuke foul spirits and unclean spirits rulers of the darkness of this world. We bind them from dominating the office of the presidency of the United States. That foul spirit that has attempted to dominate this office for a long, long, long time. Far before Donald Trump ever came into office. Father, we we again reaffirm we have authority over that. We hold that at bay in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for good government. Good government on the federal level. We thank you for good government on the state level. Here in Florida, Father, our governor, lieutenant governor, our legislative bodies, our courts, Father, we pray for them, that they'll have the wisdom to do the right thing, Father, and the courage, and the courage to do the right thing. We pray for our local county and cities, Father, that your hand would be upon all of those who serve as public servants, Father, that your grace would be upon them, to do the right thing, to make the tough decisions, Father, to do what's right. And that, Father, that would, that would reflect your will and your counsel. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. On Wednesday nights in October, for two Wednesday nights, I taught on the subject of sanctification. How many of you were here for that? Amen. Praise the Lord. I taught on the subject of sanctification. If you weren't here, you can go back and and listen to this online. Uh, I want to follow that up because there was more in me than uh, than what I was able to get to on those two Wednesday nights. But I want you to turn with me in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And this is one of the keynote scriptures that we used in that earlier study. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, I'm not going to be talking about sanctification. I'm just tying what I have to say in with sanctification. uh, Because we're going to take this into another uh, direction here that was on my heart at that time. Didn't get around to. And so, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23, it says... Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now note that word completely, Sanctify you completely. He said, I pray or I, I pray that he will sanctify you completely and, and, and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming, of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not talking about just the sanctification of the inward man. We know that man is a spirit. We know that that, that you and I individually are spirit beings. You know, if you walked outside and, and a tree fell on you and killed you tomorrow, not predicting anything. Just saying, if you walked outside and a tree fell on you and killed you know that happened to my father. He was outside and a tree fell on him and killed him. Uh, when that happened to my father when I was eleven years old, if if you could have been there, if you could go back in the spirit and see what happened when when that tree fell on my father, knocked him out. Actually, he hit his hit his head on some concrete on the ground. That's really what killed him. But. Uh, if you, would, if you could have been there or would have been there and could have seen in the spirit, when that happened, my father jumped out of his body. I mean, he he would have, you know, Brother Hagin talks about, you know, his spirit leaving his body just like you slip your, your foot out of a, of a shoe. My dad's spirit came right out of his body that morning. And it it likely was a surprise to him. He probably went, Saw his body lying there and probably realized, oh. <laughs> because you and I are spirits. That's who we are in our, in our essential being. James said that the body without the spirit is dead. So it's the spirit of man that brings life into the body. Amen? This talks about spirit, soul, and body. And he said, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Well, what does completely refer to? Completely refers to your whole spirit, soul, and body. He said that your whole spirit, soul, and body may be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We say it like this sometimes. Man is a spirit who possesses a soul and lives in a physical body. Well, your whole spirit, soul, and body need to be sanctified. Not just your spirit man, but your whole man. See, there there is the man, in essence, you are a spirit. If you break it down into component parts, that's who you are, and that's what you are. But you do have a soul. And your body, your 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 spirit and soul are linked to your body. You're in your body. You're not in mine. And your our bodies and our minds uh, will be united with us for eternity. You ever thought about that? In heaven, Rachel will look like Rachel. She just went, oh, really? (laughs) That's the truth. God created us and gave us our soul and put us in a body according to his plan and, and our bodies are gonna be raised up. Now, they'll be glorified, but they'll still be our bodies. And God intends for us to do something with our, not just our spirit man, but our soul and our body. So sanctification is something that applies to the, to the soul and the body. Or you can say it differently here. The emphasis in this verse is on the whole man. It's not just on the spirit man. It's on the whole man. There are two parts to spiritual growth. And really, really spiritual growth is the direction I'm taking this teaching. I'm going to be talking about spiritual growth. There are two parts to spiritual growth. The first is the specific development of your spirit. Your spirit, man, your, just your spirit can be stronger or it can be weaker. It can, you can grow in spirituality, you can have more revelation knowledge, you can have more uh, capacity in the realm of the spirit a greater effectiveness you can be a a better prayer than you have been there are things you can do you can develop a sensitivity in your spirit all of these things have to do with the inward man and we should be we should be aware of our inward man we should we should desire to be keen in spirit amen but if when people only focus on the inward man now this is something i've noticed uh I've not noticed it here because we don't practice this here. But in other places, uh, places I've been in the past and before we started this church and when, when Angela and I were going to another church, there was so much emphasis, it was a word of faith church, there was so much emphasis on developing the inward man that little attention was given to developing the rest of the whole man. And I noticed this that people that, there were people in our church that prayed in tongues all the time. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't mean all the time like they didn't sleep, but I mean anytime you, you were around, they were con- continually praying in tongues. You could not really have a conversation with them because you'd walk up to them and they'd just, you know, praying in tongues. And you'd look at them and, and you know, shake their hand out and they'd just look at you like, the, like they were lost or something. Well, I don't think they were lost. I think they were being foolish. You can become so detached from reality that you make yourself a a, a a joke to people around you. God didn't intend for us to live that way. He intended for us to live a balanced life in this world, spirit, soul, and body. On the other hand, people, so people who do that, they, they have that, they, they, fit into that uh, description of people who are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. On the other end of the spectrum are people who don't develop their inward man, but they give all of their attention to disciplining the outward man and behaving right. And they tend toward legalism. And they tend to not have joy in their life. And they tend to not be a, a, a witness that other people are drawn to because they're so regimented in life. And, and, and their spirit man suffers. Well, God wants us to have it all. He wants us to develop our spirit. He wants us to pray in the Holy Ghost. He wants us to be keen in the spirit. He also wants us to develop our soul, our, 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 uh, the soulish part and he wants us to discipline our flesh. Hello. Most of us could take a little more discipline where our flesh is concerned. I didn't say you, but it probably applies to you <laughs> because I know it applies to most most of us. Isn't that right? So uh, these are some of the things we want to talk about. I want you to go to uh, to, uh, the the first chapter of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And let's look at verse number 6. Well, we'll start in verse number 3. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The church at Philippi had a really special place in the apostle Paul's heart. He said, I I am joyful. The latter part of verse number four, I'm joyful for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. From the very first day that Paul arrived at the city of Philippi, the people received the word of God and they partnered with him. In the latter part of this book, he talks about the fact that when no other church helped him, in support of the gospel and his uh, missionary outreaches. He said they sent aid to him once and again and again and again. They continually supported and helped him. They were a great encouragement to him. And so he he had very fond uh, feelings, if you want to say it that way, for this church. But notice he didn't think they were complete. Just because, they were, just because they were a good church, he didn't think they were complete. Notice he said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now he acknowledged that it was gonna take until the day of Jesus Christ to get the job done. Amen. And that's still true today. None of us have fully arrived. Now, I know that when your pastor stands before you, you you expect him to have fully arrived. But you know I haven't. You know that. And that's not anything to be ashamed of. None of us have fully arrived. All of us are subject to need more growth and development. Isn't that right? Paul said here, he said, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Well, what is the good work? What is the good work that he said that he began in them that needed to be completed? Well, it couldn't be salvation in the sense of the new birth because the new birth is not something that begins. You you didn't, on such and such a date, you didn't begin to be born again. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and confessed him as Lord and boom. You were born again. And, and you never become more born again later than you were that very moment. So the new birth is not a process. It's an event. It's something that happens in a period of time. And if you look at salvation in that sense, that is, that is never improved upon. You can't improve on the new birth. Amen. Amen. You became the righteousness of God in union with Christ Jesus when you were born again. And that righteousness, that right standing with God cannot be improved upon. And and that's why baby Christians need to be taught that because baby Christians a lot of times think, well, you know, if I can get somebody else to pray for me, if I can get somebody else to do this for me or that for me. No, you have the same uh, standing and the same place before the Father God that anybody else does amen and so we need to be we need to encourage young christians baby christians to know that you that your new birth made you complete in that sense amen Amen. but he's talking about something else he's talking about a good work that began that needs to be completed well there's another there's another way to look at the the idea of salvation if you look at it as as singularly as the new birth no that doesn't need to be improved upon that doesn't need to be completed it's already completed But uh, the Schofield uh, Reference Bible, Dr. Schofield had a, a great note that we've quoted very often. And he said that the Hebrew and Greek words for salvation imply the ideas of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. Salvation is the great inclusive word for the gospel gathering into itself all the redemptive acts and processes See, there are redemptive acts and processes that are still going on in our lives. Why is that true? Because our faith is still laying hold. Now, redemption has taken place, but it only becomes real in our life as we lay hold of it by faith. And so you, you are born again, but then you have to lay hold of some things. You have to lay hold of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If, you, if you're just blase about it and say, well, and, I've, and I know of people who've prayed this way. Well, if God wants to fill me with the Holy Ghost, he can. And if he wants me to speak with tongues, I will. Well, if you pray that way, you'll have the same results as somebody that says, well, if God wants to heal me, he will. And if he doesn't, he won't. Most of those people are not healed. And then they're not being healed. They say, well, that proves that it wasn't the will of God. No, it doesn't prove anything uh, like that. It proves that they didn't lay hold of redemption. So we lay hold of everything by faith. Amen. Well, uh, spiritual growth is also something we have to lay hold of. Amen. The new, the new, let me say it again. The new birth is the salvation of the spirit of man, and it's instantaneous. The salvation of the soul and the body is progressive. Go with me over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. This was really a kind of a startling passage to me the first time I had somebody explain it to me. And uh, in verse number, James chapter 1, verse number 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Can you imagine having to write to Christians? Have to write to Christians and say, "Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness. Be meek before God. Be humble before God. And 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 and, and let God know that you that you are pliable, that you're that you're malleable. Is that how you say it? malleable? malleable? Say it for me." Malleable, Malleable. forget it, M. (laughs) Let God know that you are uh, willing to change, that you're willing to be molded and, and, and to be corrected and to grow. He said, what will do this? The implanted word, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The first time I had I, I had that shown to me, that these were born-again people. And yet their souls were evidently not yet saved. I, I, I almost couldn't believe what I was reading here. So, well, now wait a minute. How can that be? That their souls weren't saved. Well, I didn't know what the soul was. See, their spirits were saved, but the soul of man is the Mental realm, the mental, psychological, the feeling realm, the thoughts and ideas of our mind and our, and our, uh, 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 the things that, that we, the way we think. This is all in the soulish realm. Well, when I got born again, my thinking didn't just change overnight. Now, some of it did. Some of it did. I, I was a drug user. And when I got back into fellowship with the Lord in that little motel room in uh, Brooksville, I knew right away, I can't continue to do this. Now you think, well, obviously. But a lot of people don't think that. A lot of people don't think that. Years ago, we had a man in our church that, that served on our worship team. And the Lord sent me, my wife and I, to his house one night to talk to him because we, we, we realized that he's a, he's a pot smoker. He was on our worship. He, was play, he played in our band. And so we went to the house to talk to him and he said, well, pastor, he said, you mean that's wrong? I said, yeah, it's wrong and you know it. Quit acting like a dummy. If you're born again, you know it's wrong. Besides that, it's against the law. I said, what about your children? Don't you? He said, well, I go out, you know, I don't smoke around my children. I said, you don't think your children know that? He had teenage children. One child was a teenager. I said, you telling me they don't smell that? Come on. And besides that, you have to, you have to find somebody to get it for you. And you could be busted. You have to do, you know, these deals, you know, clandestine meetings and stuff. I said, you know, that's wrong. So I knew when I got born again that all of that, that life, that, that part of my life was over. I couldn't do that anymore. Now, I can't tell you that I didn't slip up once or twice. I did once, I think. I mean, I know I did once, but I don't think I did more than once. But other things in in my in my life didn't change overnight. I was a liberal before I got back in the fellowship, the Lord, and I was a flaming liberal. I mean, I was out there, and uh, the things that that my political party and what we believed in is really uh, those things are really the things that that uh, are are commonplace today. But they weren't commonplace back in my time. But when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, instantly some of those views changed. I realized, wait a minute, that's not right. This isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. It began to very quickly inform my views on life. My politics began to change, but it didn't change completely. I started going back to church in 1973, and and I still proudly had my McGovern sticker on the back of my car, and uh, I still was rebellious all the way up into to, to, uh, 1974 before really I, I got free from that. Because I was still, uh, 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 I, what I'm saying is my, my natural thinking, to, it took time to correct all of that. That is the saving of the soul. Not the saving of the spirit, man. I was born again. I'd have gone to heaven even with a McGovern sticker on my back window. I had a little blue Volkswagen with a bumper, you know, a, a McGovern sticker on the back window. And, uh, and then I had another sticker and it said, give Jesus a chance. McGovern. Maybe that was a message to, to Governor, to Senator McGovern, I don't know. But uh, my, my views began to change over time. And what did it? This The more word I got into, the more word that that I read and fed on, it began to wash my mind, correct my thinking. That is the renewing of the mind. Amen. And uh, the body. I had to learn, let me read this from the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible of, of Philippians 1.6 says, I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you can thank God for that? That he is still working, that he will still work. Oh, glory to God. The verse I was looking at talks about God helping us and equipping us for growth. God God gives us the tools. He gives us the equipment we need to get our mind renewed and to put our flesh under. But we have to avail ourselves of what we have. When, when When you're a baby Christian or when you're younger in the Lord your understanding of the word is not as great as it will one day be. You have to act on what you know. Act on what you know to do. If you'll act on the word you have, God will increase your ability. You are you know, when I was a little kid, I'm, I'm guessing that that this is probably true for every child. The first tool you ever used was probably a hammer but it didn't look like a hammer it was probably had to do with some little uh, you know toys that had pegs and holes and things that you hammered it that's a a hammer that's probably the very first tool you ever used I'm still using a hammer but my hammers are better than the first hammers I had I have different kind of hammers I have 16 ounce claw hammers. I don't think I have a ball peen hammer. Does anybody know what that is besides me? Ball peen hammer. I don't think I have one of those. But I have uh, mallets. I have a three pound hammer. have a big heavy sledgehammer. And if I'm going to really get into hammering, I have a hammer drill. Or I can rent. What is that called? A jackhammer. Now you're really in the hammering mode now. But you see, as you grow, your ability to use tools and and, and the and the uh, the description and power of those tools grow. Well the thing is true, the same is true in the in the things of the spirit. The equipment that God gives you in the Word, He gives you enough to apply where you are. If you will apply it, you will get more understanding from the Word of God. But if you don't do anything with your mind, if you don't do anything with your body, you will stay a baby Christian. And that is the saddest thing that... uh, it's, it's the saddest thing that can happen to you, and it's also the saddest thing that happen that can happen to people around you. Amen. Because a carnal Christian is, well, let's let's go over to. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's go back to Philippians again. I want to go to First Corinthians thirteen. You can turn there, but hold your place. But we're gonna. We're going to go back to Philippians first. And let's go back to the second chapter of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. Now, what in the world? How how can we work out our salvation? According to Kenneth Wiest, this expression, work out, means to carry out to the goal, to carry to its ultimate conclusion. I'm quoting from Wiest, and he wrote this many years ago. He said, we say the student worked out a problem in arithmetic. That is, he carried the problem to its ultimate conclusion. Well, we are to carry our salvation to its ultimate conclusion, that is Christ-likeness, that is maturity. We are to carry this out. Like I said, we carry this out with the equipment that we have. And thank God, God's word is so powerful. If we will feed on this word and act on it, it will change our lives. You think about your own life. You think about how much you've changed and and, and the change, we used to sing that song, oh, what a change when Jesus came into my life. And and that is, there is a remarkable change. But how many of you can testify there's been greater change since then as you've grown in the Lord, as you fed on the Lord? Oh, I tell you what, we we overlooked this passage over in 1 Peter, but we ought not to. 1 Peter Hallelujah. Where is it? Glory to God. You say, "Well, I don't know what it is. Pastor, tell me and I'll tell you where it is." Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You know, baby babies have to have to rely on milk when they're first born. They can't eat solid food. But you know what? It's all they need. It's all they need. They'll grow healthy. And and will and will develop just feeding on milk. But the day comes, and thank God for that. I still drink milk. And it's still beneficial. It's still healthy. It still helps me. But I can't just live on milk. I have to to go from beyond milk and to get into the stronger meat of God's word. Because there's nutrients in there that, that are necessary for further development. Now a baby gets all it needs from the milk. But as, as, as growing Christians, we have to have more. We have to get into the full uh, meat of God's word that we may grow also that way, amen? So we have, to, we have to use the word in two areas. We have to use the word in renewing our mind, but we also have to use our word, in, the word of God in disciplining our flesh. Because see, if you don't renew your mind with the word of God, you don't uh, renew your flesh, you will be what Paul talked about, a carnal Christian. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Are you getting anything? 1 Corinthians 3. Paul said, "And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you're still not able." for you are still carnal. I I, I looked at that and I thought, think about what they missed. Think about what the church at Corinth missed. He said, I could not speak to you as to spiritual. He could, there there, there were things that he couldn't say to them. There were things that he couldn't explain to them, that he couldn't talk to them about, that he could talk to other people about. And it wasn't because he didn't have the ability, it's because they were not in a position to receive that. What a tragedy to think that there are things that God wants to share with you or me and he can't do it. There are things the Holy Spirit might want to show you or me. But if we're, not, if we're carnal, he can't. Just like the Apostle Paul, he just has to keep giving us the milk, keep giving us the milk, hoping that we'll act on that milk and grow. See, a person that, that's carnal isn't even acting on the milk. Amen. Letting his flesh control him. Amen. Always out of sorts with people. Never. The most miserable Christian in the world is a carnal Christian. And I used to say this years ago, here's a recipe for misery. Get born again, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, be filled with the Holy Spirit and then never feed on the word and never control yourself. You will be the most miserable person anybody would not want to be around. (laughs) Because a person like that is under condemnation all the time. In fact, some, some unsaved people are better company than carnal Christians. Because they're, you know, they're free, you know, just kind of free spirits, you know. Uh, have a good time. And you, you don't even mind being around them as long as they're not vulgar, you know. But a, but a carnal Christian is under condemnation all the time. He's never at peace, never at rest. Oh, glory to God. He said we can grow. Amen. By renewing our mind and disciplining our flesh. Amen. So let's do this let's make it our in our our plan and our determination that we are going to grow this year as Christians that we are going to go from where we are onto maturity amen and the, and the wonderful thing is even though we're all in this church together and, and we might be on different Uh, might be on different planes as far as spiritual growth, the same word of God, the Holy Spirit will take and he'll make it milk to one person and meat to another. Amen. I don't know how he's able to do that, but he's able to do it. He's not going to share with you something you can't swallow. Amen. That's why some people hear from the pastor some things and other people didn't hear it. It's because the Holy Spirit takes the word and he applies it in this person's life and that person's life. In fact, I've had people come up to me and say, you know, you were, you were talking, Pastor, and this, and, and this is what I, you know, this is what I heard you say. They'll tell me I said this. And I'll think, I don't think I said that. Go back and listen now and go back, you know, and, and listen. And I didn't say that. It's what, now sometimes it was their imagination But a lot of times it's what the Holy Spirit took from what I said and this is how it impacted them. Glory to God. When you come to church, open your heart to receive everything the pastor ministers and let the Spirit of God take it and apply it in your life. Apply the word I'm talking about in your life the way he sees fit. And then do that when you're at home and you're reading your Bible and and, and uh, seeking God and his will for your life. Oh, glory to God. He wants us to grow this year. Yeah. 2021. Now, all the people that are predicting things about 2021, I was listening to somebody on TV. and They were talking about what 2021 was gonna be and what God was gonna do. And I was thinking, yeah, I remember 2020, your predictions. <laughs> And uh, uh, 2020 turned out to be completely different than what you were predicting. But I can predict this, that God is still God. Yes. And we are still his children. Yes. See, these are not predictions about how the year's going to turn out. It doesn't matter how the year turns out. I'm going to turn out okay. Yes. You're going to be okay if you'll keep your focus on the word of God and act on it. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. Well, why don't we stand up? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and blessing in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your grace upon us. We thank you, Father, that 2020 was in the natural realm. In the world, it was a difficult year. And it was a tumultuous year in a lot of respects. And even coming into 2021, we've had the same uh, turmoil, the same uh, types of things going on. But Father, we know that your word never changes, and you've proven yourself to us. All through 2020, we were not defeated. We were not overcome. In in fact, we were blessed. We were blessed in in 2020. And we know, Father, that as we keep our hearts pure and our minds governed by the word of God, 2021 will be a great year. Glory to God. It'll be a year of victory. It'll be a, a year of overcoming. Everything the enemy throws at us because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world glory to God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has never been vanquished it's never been conquered and it never will be glory to God oh I thank you father that 2021 in spite of what goes on in the world is going to be a year of victory for those who keep their faith in you I'm one of them I declare today I'm one of them How many of you will declare with me today, I'm one who will keep my faith in God's word this year. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't God good? Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.